welcome back to the I Am There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And yes. today we have a special guest with us. We have Robin Riggs, who I know from the Yu-Gi-Oh! community. Some of you might also know her from the Yu-Gi-Oh! community. But Robin, why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself, get everyone acquainted with you. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, well, I have been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! since 2010. Uh, I tried to pay play competitively i'm not that great at it so i just try to have fun and play what i want to play so i've been doing that for a long time i have a nine-year-old her name is ariel i just moved away from ohio and living in kansas currently okay and would you describe yourself as a fellow nerd oh yes absolutely (laughs) so what are some nerd things that you're into oh i've been a nerd since high school <laughs> i was a math geek <laughs> oh you're that kind of nerd oh you're a true oh, yeah. nerd i'm you're a true like a, nerd <laughs> yeah not an imposter nerd like us no, well i guess I fraser's just... technically a math geek i was about too. to say I'm, I'm probably the most <laughs> math geek you can get on <laughs> yeah. so yeah uh yep and then uh once i graduated high school i moved back to cincinnati and i went to the mall one day and saw a bunch of people play Yu-Gi-Oh and that's how I got into it, and then I've been playing it since. I've traveled to at least half of the United States already because of it. Same. So, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, Yu-Gi-Oh! is great. And you said you started in 2010, which is a pivotal year for me, because that's the year I first got on the airplane in my life. And I went to uh, oh. like I went to the Edison Shandra uh, Championship, the 75th. That was at the beginning of 2010, I feel like, or one of the first events of that year which is the format I'm currently playing in real life. So shout out to Edison format. And then yeah, that's a big one right now. Yeah, it's huge. It's actually picking up steam all around the country. Uh, It's being adopted by a lot of locals, which I'm happy about because if everyone unites behind it, then we can get some, something real going, uh, some bigger events. And there's another Edison tournament coming up. So shout out to RBET and Ed and Edison for hosting those. He hosted one, I believe in January that got like 144 players online so that's really good. I'm a really big fan of 2010 Yu-Gi-Oh! as opposed to 2022 Yu-Gi-Oh! But, uh, you know, you you did you play around the time that Edison Format was a thing? Or did you start after that? No, I played that year, but I played... My first deck was a Gadget Monarch deck, and then I went to Machina Gadget. Okay, I forgot that. Uh, monarch gadgets was actually a thing because ultimate offering can be kind of nasty with that oh yeah yep. that was such a nice card i missed that card yeah it's at two in edison format too and it's like i actually like the gadget deck i i play gadgets at edison i probably bring this up all the time but i'm bringing it up again because i went 10 and 2 <laughs> or x and 2 and i got 34th place so Ooh. i was really close to topping that event with mocking the gadgets but i lost out the tiebreakers and that deck i think is pretty decent uh I don't know if it's good with the lens of 2022 Yu-Gi-Oh! and like how hindsight has played the role. But when I was playing, I was testing Edison format with a couple of friends in the last couple of weeks. And I did say, you know, what? let me just try out Machina Gadgets. And I made it, you know, three upstar goblins and everything like that. Took out some of the bad shit. And it, I was kind of like scraping, like low key. It's still, <laughs> it still kind of gets there. <laughs> Something Gadget set four is still very good. It gets the job done. I wanted to ask, this is not on the Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, topic, but I wanted to cycle back real quick. You okay. gave us a quick bio. Um, you said you're a super nerd and that your daughter's name was Ariel. Is that based off the Little Mermaid? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it nice. is. 
I had such a hard time coming up with a name. And my father was giving, you know, some old school names like Susan and like Rochelle and all yes. that stuff. Not Susan. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I initially wanted to name her Willow. And my dad was like, I'm not having you name my grandchild after a damn tree. So I like, like Willow. Okay. Willow's kind of nice. <laughs> Willow is a nice name. Yeah. But Ariel, Ariel slaps. One of my uh, close friends, his favorite Disney movie is The Little Mermaid. So. Yeah. Is that Anthony? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who was just on the podcast last. So. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, watching TV and I noticed a commercial saying, oh, the Little Mermaid is coming out of the vault. You have a chance to buy the DVD special collection. And I'm like, oh, yep. That's her name. Ariel. Well, her full name is Ariel Raven Riggs. Ariel Raven. Now is Raven from Teen Titans or is that just a bird you like? Or that's so Raven. <laughs> it's not that so raven it is from teen titans yes i got it right i felt it because i was like if you're a nerd it has to be right like it just has to be raven's one of the coolest characters from teen titans and i actually really used to love that show as a kid too um mm-hmm. and I, clearly you watch it do you, are you into i assume you're also into anime yes i do like some anime shows i'm not real big into yeah, it like you're not a like hardcore most fan people, but i do love um animation. Uh, what's your favorite anime that you like what you say? Um I know it's so cliche, but when I was a kid, I used to watch Sailor Moon all the time. I mean, we're Sailor yeah. Moon fans here. I love Sailor Moon. <laughs> um and then when I got older and had internet access, I discovered uh Samurai Champloo, so that was my favorite. Oh, Samurai Champloo is so good and so underrated too, I feel like. It is. That one's my favorite. Yeah, it doesn't get talked about enough, but that shit is so crack, especially the soundtrack. I love it. Oh, yes, it's so good. I have that song on my playlist somewhere. Yeah, I'm a big fan of I think it was the ending theme. I forget. I don't even want to try to butcher the name of it, but it is one of my favorite anime songs it was the, ever. Oh, she can know you. It was the intro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever it is, it, it, if it comes <laughs> when it goes off, it was- I, it was the intro song. I love that song. That song is so good. It makes me feel it's like a sadness in it though, but I I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a little emo, so no one's surprised about that. But uh <laughs> speaking of good soundtrack, so we're gonna be talking a bit about the Batman, the new movie that yes. just came out this past weekend. And oh my gosh. That movie, you're a big fan of it. You're a big fan of Robert Pattinson, uh, you know, ex-Twilight actor. And- well, I'm not a huge fan of Patterson. Um, I am just a absolute nerd for the Riddler. Okay, like, so you're not you're not fawning over him because he was Edward Cullen. Oh no 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 no. Uh, I mean, I everybody's seen the Twilight movies. I'm not that huge a fan. Yeah. Um, but I have comic books that I've collected that mm. just have the Riddler on the front page. Nice. So you all right? So you specifically like the Riddler? So how? I guess oh, before yeah. we jump into this new Batman. Uh, how do you feel about Jim Carrey's Riddler? Because I know you had to have seen that. Well, I mean, he's the whole reason why I fell in love with the Riddler. Okay. That was my favorite um, Tim Burton Batman movie when I was a kid. Is just I just the way he portrayed the goofiness side. Yeah. And Jim Carrey, he's such an amazing actor. But I love Jim, Jim Carrey's Carrey. a legend. Jim Carrey's the best part of that Sonic movie. 
Like that oh, Sonic yeah. movie that came out. <laughs> yeah. Jim Carrey is by far the best part of that He's movie. He's so great. The trailer for the second one, he also looks amazing in it. Like yeah, I, yeah, he he runs it. I didn't even see the first one, and I'll, I keep seeing the trailer for Sonic Two. Uh, you know, because Knuckles is in it and Jim Carrey's in it, and he makes me want to watch it. Like I don't really care about Sonic or Knuckles or anything like that as far as watching them in a movie so goes. So good though. I yeah. took my daughter to see that movie together, and it was really good. Yeah, it looks like something that would actually be like I would enjoy it. I probably will watch it if it once it's streaming. I'll, I'll probably watch both of them. It's just like a you know just something to put on while I'm doing something else or whatever. Because you know I, those kind of movies, while they're great, it's just I don't know. I'm probably out of, outside of the age that'll really be able to handle like Sonic making his corny ass jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking <laughs> he said of those, about being Oprah, those. Does he in the first movie? In the, in the second, second one, movie? yeah. He, in the second one, he's <laughs> he makes a little joke about, "Did you get that from Oprah?" And it's just like, okay, what a rant. Yeah, I saw the first one, and uh, you know, it's just like a cool movie. But yeah, but Jim Carrey steals the show. But dude, the old Batman movies, I remember. I have such a kind of like a good memory of them because Me I used too. to watch them with my dad. Like they would just come on TV and stuff. I remember watching them with my dad. But the one I remember the most. Was the one with Mister Freeze? As, I, I knew uh, you were going to say Arnold that. I just watched Arnold, that movie. Yeah. Oh my god! I just watched it. It's so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> oh, and then Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Yep, she was yep. really good as Poison. I liked her as Poison Ivy. I also liked whoever the fucking hot guy they got to play Robin. <laughs> he was like, he was like absurdly attractive for no reason. That movie was really... Yeah, he was a cutie. That movie oh, yeah. was so did cringe. Did have nipples? It did. Yeah, it did. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about uh, the Tim Burton ones was it was a different Batman every movie. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, so George Clooney was Batman in that one, right? Was it George Clooney? He was Batman in one of them. I don't know. Yeah, remember. no, it was Michael Keaton that did the Riddler one. And then I'm trying to think, uh, Mr. Freeze, I feel like was uh was George Clooney. George Clooney, Batman. I don't know. People People voted who was the worst batman and george clooney came up as pretty much the worst <laughs> one even george clooney or christian bale i saw was voted as the worst batman oh ever. i man don't get me started on christian bale no, we want to hear it what do you how do you okay. feel about christian bale as batman he, okay so he is a really good actor he was phenomenal in american psycho don't get me wrong yep. but i just felt he his performance was a little flat for the for that trilogy yeah um but the person that made the Dark Knight movie was Heath Ledger, and I think that's the only reason why people liked it so much. I agree. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and Kenny's probably about to say something similar, but I don't really put too much stock into the Dark Knight trilogy outside of the actual Dark Knight movie. I think mm-hmm. that is the pinnacle of Batman movies. It's still, even after seeing this movie, it's still my favorite Batman movie, and it is because of Heath Ledger's performance. It's just mm-hmm. that. It's so overwhelming. Uh, when the Joker's on the screen, I feel like that's when I'm really enjoying the movie and then every scene he's not you know they're fine but the movie is really about the joker and he just steals the show in every single instance it's so fucking good um yeah, i get super invested in his performance batman begins was like pretty blah and the yeah. dark knight rises not as good as the joker and heath ledger but the most interesting part of all the dark knight rises is just bane it and is, his voice yeah. bane's, like, bane's voice is so good runs that movie one thing about christopher nolan he is fucking amazing at sound design. So I think the movie Dunkirk, which is a war film that he did uh, years ago, and I believe it won the Oscar for best sound editing or sound design or whatever. But he has a thing about sound and he likes to go loud. 
you know you're watching something from Christopher Nolan because even Inception, <laughs> it's just so fucking loud. And mm-hmm. some people might not like it, but I think it does add to the the, the feeling of when you're in the theater and it, you can barely hear it, a person next to you, or you can hear it, you can't hear anything else but the ridiculous background noise and it kind of makes you get that suspense feeling where your palms start sweating you feel like somebody's really about to die or the city's about to blow up or whatever whatever's happening on screen he does that shit really well so Uh, shout out to christopher nolan on being able to really capture uh sound that makes sense for every scene the other thing i like about the dark knight trilogy aside from joker and the bane is um uh alfred i think alfred oh that was the best i do think that is the best alfred at alfred was really good so although Batman, I didn't get too invested in Batman and Christian Bale, yeah. but I think the Alfred was like really good. And some yeah. of his speeches and the things he said were really, really good. Nice. I do agree. That Alfred was so good. I, I know that that guy is also like a famous British actor or whatever. I don't know his name, so sorry for that, but he really is. When I think of Alfred, I do think of him. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I literally think of that guy. So as for the Batman, the new one, uh, the 2022 version, so this this movie starts off and they kind of let you know immediately that this is a young Batman. He's only been yeah. the Cape Crusader for two years. So he's mm-hmm. very, very young. And I had to uh, really think about that in a lot of the scenes where he's doing stuff that seems maybe a little out of character for Batman or a little inexperienced. But it makes sense because he's so young in his role as Batman. Um so a lot of the things that he does, like he'll get hurt in ways that I feel like are a little rash or it seems like he's using something that uh, might be a little experimental. And to me, that makes sense because of the fact that he's only been doing it for two years and he doesn't really fully understand, you know, his like how to really play his role as Batman, like the person, uh, especially. I, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. You finish first, <laughs> especially because he it seems like in the movie, they, they make it known that he abandons his his uh, identity as Bruce Wayne. He doesn't even care about being bruce wayne he makes that like he blatantly does say i don't care about that i don't care about my family's legacy uh you know that type of thing like i don't care about the money running out because you know he comes from a billionaire family but he's just more so concerned about being vengeance as he calls it and that's his obsession is just it's just that yeah and i think a lot of people that say that they don't like the movie uh on facebook today there was a couple of people that said he was soft and i'm like what yeah i have like, they don't understand he's young and he's still not fully grieved over his parents yet. And so he's just really yeah. just trying to avenge what happened to his family. Yeah, he's 20 years old. I believe that we can, I think we can say that he's he's either 20 or like 22. But he's very young, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Because they said in a movie at one point, it's been 20 years since the tragic murder of the Wayne family. So, you know, he's he's around like early 20s, something like that. Uh and that, you know, again, like him being so young, it matters for his character. Because I think it, when I, when I, so I, I didn't think about this till, until now, but uh, most Batmans in the other movies are pretty old. At least yeah, they look, they're at least like they in their it. mid to late 30s. Yes. I think every Batman we've ever seen has been a 30 year old man, like, and like you said, mid to late 30s, not early 30s. I feel like all of them. Yeah. So uh, in terms that's of the about hate, right. from what I've heard from most of the people that's seen it, you know, people have said it's one of the best, second best Batman or whatever. Uh, I the the holdover for people hating this movie, I think, is still just the actor. I think people just have it in their heart that they have to hate this actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although I will say that the the reasonable people, people who don't just have these weird biases because he played in Twilight, which is so fucking immature and stupid at this point. The main gripe that I did see was the length of the movie being three hours. Uh, that seems to be the norm for 
hero movies lately, and I brought this up in my Facebook post. I wrote a really long Facebook post about the movie. But in that post, I said, I understand people's gripes with it being so long because I do feel like the last 20 minutes of it or so felt kind of like it dragged. And they could have maybe cut the movie down a bit so as, you know, get around a two-hour, 30-minute mark. Although I'm a person who person I love long movies. I don't have a problem with them, but I understand when a movie starts to drag, it's like, okay. I'm over it, like, in the, you know, get to a conclusion. But for me, the longer, the better, because I like all the character development I can get. I like all of the plot development I can get. I don't mind slow scenes. I can deal with that. I watch Game of Thrones. You know, I, I watch Star Wars. I've watched a lot of movies that have a lot more talking than action. So I'm fine with those scenes that are just, you know, exposi- exposition and the characters kind of uh, in their feels without words. You know, I just have the scene where... There's music, ominous music playing, and he might be grieving over something or watching over the city and that type of thing. I like that type of stuff. It just adds to the overall feel of it, the atmosphere of it. And I think that this movie did a good job of the atmosphere of Gotham being this lawless place that's full of corruption. They drove that home pretty immediately. The movie opens with the mayor being killed, and he's up for re-election. But that was an insane scene for an opening scene. Yeah, people... Uh, someone actually wrote on Facebook today that they wish they could watch their first 20 minutes over again, but would never have to see the last 20 minutes again. So, was, <laughs> so and I was like, damn, I, I get it. The first 20 minutes was so good because it opens, you know, the corrupt mayor is running for re-election and he's scheming on how to like steal the election, basically. Like he's already up to no good, trying to pull out some favors from some corrupt people. And as he's on the phone talking, you literally just see the Riddler behind him in his house. He's just in his house. Somehow he's behind him and he's very quiet and it's very eerie. This movie has a vibe to it that reminds me of Saul. I think that's like blatantly what they were going for. Uh, It has a very Saul-esque feeling. If you remember in the old movies, Jigsaw would literally come behind people and and put them to sleep. He would stab them with a needle, put them to sleep and kind of put a bag. Sometimes put a bag around their head or whatever, choke them out. But it was him going out in the field on his own and getting people to torture them. So in the beginning of this movie, when you see the Riddler and he's kind of behind the mayor and the mayor has this whole conversation and then he just comes behind him and he bludgeons him in the head. And it's so, yeah. to me, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting because it's the movie so dark, right? Like, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. It's such a I dark do. movie. I so wasn't the expecting whole, it. Mm-hmm. So no. the whole reason why people felt the jigsaw portion in it is literally because in the comics, Riddler, does stuff like that he yeah. does puzzles uh like when we saw the rat cage and everything and then the bomb around the neck spoiler yeah. sorry <laughs> but yeah. oh no i mean, I mean if anybody stuff- listening to this there's spo- we're talking about the new batman <laughs> okay. movie yeah. we got spoilers like you're good to go you're allowed right. to say everything and anything you want nerd out about the movie yeah yeah so the riddler actually does that in a line of the comic books and Riddler was the main reason why I came out to watch this movie to begin with. Like, I have a huge Riddler tattoo on my back. Like, I've been a Riddler fan forever. Oh, this and one's so, good for you. Oh, yes. Okay. I absolutely loved this portrayal of the Riddler because it felt more close to the comic book Riddler than anything else. Okay, so like, he Jim Carrey like that. Did, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey did do a really good job as far as the campiness of most Batman movies. But as far as like the actual real uh, feel of the Riddler and his puzzles and how he tortures the people, it was almost spot on. So I was so happy with that. Who was the actor for this one? Oh, um, I have to look it up. So the Riddler 
Well, Frazier looks that up, I want to ask, the Riddler tattoo that you have, is it like the Riddler question mark, or is it the actual character? No, it's, okay, so, it's actually, it's like a purple, it's the purple bat symbol turned into a question mark. So the outline is purple, and then in the green, it's shaded in, like, uh, that neon green, and then above it, it says, riddle me this. It's a pretty big tattoo. That's pretty dope. (laughs) So the guy's name is Paul Dano, or Paul Dano. I don't know how to say it correctly, but yeah, Paul, I didn't know. So he looks extremely young in the movie when they finally do unmask him. Uh, To me, and I guess it's because he kind of grew up with Bruce Wayne, they're around the same age. And when he gets unmasked, he looks super young. But then you got to remember Robert Pattinson is portraying a 20 year old Batman as well, like 20 something year old Batman. And so that makes sense. But in, in real life, this actor is 37 years old. And yeah. Have you um, look have like you watched Little Miss Sunshine before? No, I haven't. You guys haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine with mm-hmm. Steve Carell yeah. and Greg Kinnear. Is that where he's from? Yes. He plays the older brother. Gosh, I'm such a movie buff. He looks <laughs> creepy as fuck in this movie uh i mean like honestly when i first saw him i, I kept I, I laughed a little bit when they first unmasked him he starts acting it's i guess psychopathic sociopathic whatever you want to call it but he looks like a young bill yeah. gates <laughs> i made the joke to my friend while i was sitting next to me to do it i was like doesn't this doesn't this guy look like fucking bill gates like is it me <laughs> like is, he looks just like because he had the glasses on that are really thick yeah. and then he just has this this certain I don't know how to describe it, but this certain absent look in his eyes, like he's not all the way there. And that's, that's great acting because I'm looking at him now on Google images and he just looks like a normal person. But then when you see the way he's looking at Bruce Wayne, and even the way he says it when he's locked up, he's like, Bruce Wayne. And he just keeps saying it in a really creepy way while Bruce is in his Batman costume, blatantly saying his real name over and over and over again while you know, the camera's on him, so people are hearing the secret identity. Um, it's just really good acting, and I think that he did do a phenomenal job. Most of the movie, he's covered up in his costume, which is completely different from the cartoony version that I've seen in it is. iterations. You know, usually see him in a green suit of some sort with question marks all over it, but in, the, in this right. movie, it's much more realistic, I would say, right? Like, he's in some... I don't know what to call it. He kind of looks like he's about to go on a terrorist attack, a terrorist bomb attack of some sort. He has this black mask, like a gas mask type of thing going on. And just like this black cargo kind of outfit. It's just very creepy looking, especially when he's like in that opening scene, when he's standing behind the mayor and you see him in his, in his house for the first time, he just looks like somebody that you would be scared as fuck to see in real life. Well, this is also just an introduction movie to him because, Towards the end of it, they give us a glimpse of who I'm going to assume is the Joker in the cell next to him. So I think the next one, they might team up and try to break out. And yeah. who knows, he might he have a different style then. They were suspecting that that might be even Two-Face because his face was messed up. But then he started laughing. And I was like, well, that laugh is definitely not. I don't recall Two-Face laughing like that. So I'm I'm curious as to who that actually is as well. I don't follow the comics at all, so I don't know. But uh, it did well, seem like the Joker at the end when he started laughing. Yeah. Well, I know in the comic, both Two-Face and the Joker team up on two separate occasions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but as far as the Batman, everybody loves Joker. So it's, yeah. I assume it's the Joker. And also you can kind of see the uh, the scar on his face to where it makes it look like he's smiling. So that was another thing that... okay. 
I thought was the reason why it might be him. I really want to see this movie again. Also, I want to backtrack a little too. bit. I want to backtrack just a little bit here. I want to go to where we were talking about Saul and the comparisons of Saul and, and this Batman movie and the Riddler, the villain. Uh, so now that you've said that some of the things we see in this movie were actually in the comics, it kind of makes me feel like Saul was more inspired by the Riddler and not vice it versa. It was. Yeah. I'm getting that vibe now because the Riddler's know. old as hell. It did. Oh, yeah. the, and... the, the Riddler goes back to like the 60s, I think. I think that's the first uh, Riddler comic. I, I Google some stuff today or like early in the day. I think it's said like the first Riddler came out in like 1964 or something like that. So if that's the case, and then you have Jigsaw who, you know, leaves puzzle pieces and he mm-hmm. does the rat thing. Like in this movie, he literally does one of the Jigsaw from the Saw movie. He does the rat thing where it kind of they eat through you and gnaw at your body um, to get out. He does uh, the 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 collar around somebody's neck that explodes. So a lot of things that you literally see in Saul are in this movie. So the, uh, the comparisons are going to come. But I think that the Riddler was the inspiration for Saul, not the other way around. Not Saul being inspiration for this this Riddler. So that's exactly. Cool. That's cool to know. Yep. Yeah. Um. Online doesn't really confirm it, but when I first saw a couple of the Saw movies, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so Riddler vibes. And that's why I liked the Saw movies, just because plot twist, the guy in Saw could have been the Riddler. Who knew? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... This movie, I really, really liked the overall dark feel of it. This is the darkest Batman movie by far. It is so dark. So just to go into that a little bit, uh, like I said, in the very beginning of the movie, he bludgeons a guy with a metal weapon in the head, like immediately just like beats him to death. And then he, they should like a lot of, a lot of other movies will kind of do an off screen thing where they, where they'll tie him up afterwards, or whatever. but they show him pull out like a long thing of tape and like start to tape wrap, up. Yeah, yep. like, tape up his head. And this guy's dead. Like he's bleeding out of his, there's a head wound. There's blood all over the carpet. There's blood on the weapon that fell. And he just kind of like, he does this really long breathing thing when he gets on top of his body. He's like, like just really deep psycho breathing. And then he's wrapping him up. And then in the next scene, when you see the dead body and it's like two Batman, he leaves a little letter on his body and he cut off his finger. It's really dark. And then uh, when they find one of the clues and one of the clues says drive. So then Batman goes and says, we need to go look at uh, the mayor's car. So they go and find all the mayor's cars and the mayor's corrupt. So he has all these expensive ass cars, right? He has a garage full of cars and they go into one of them. And the detective Gordon says, he says, uh, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for a USB port, which didn't make sense at the time because the clue was drive. And then he finds a USB port and there's a fucking flash drive in it. And he pulls it out and it has a fucking thumb attached to it. And it says, he's like thumb drive. And then the scene, I was blown away. Like I was, <laughs> I was blown. Like it was so, so dark, but so good. Cause he cut his thumb off. You don't know what's going on with that. But then they find it later on with a clue that says drive. They go to his car. He finds literally a thumb drive. And then Batman holds it up. And he's like thumb drive. And then the scene goes, I was like, this is, this is already amazing to me. It's like the first 20 minutes. It's already fucking amazing. I know, and then it had a fingerprint, and that's the thumb that they used for it. And <laughs> just the guy touching the severed thumb, I was like, oh, so give me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, they do such a good job at the just the overall dark feel of it. There's, I think, perhaps the darkest scene to me 
was later on the girl that they have been like so trying to figure out where she's gone. She's been missing. She's Catwoman's one of her good friends. I won't say her best friend, but she's one of her good friends or whatever. And by the way, Catwoman, Catwoman was amazing. But she oh, has, she she's so gorgeous. She, oh Zoe Kravitz. Oh my gosh. She is so fucking beautiful. And I know it's a criteria to play Catwoman. You have to be dropped that gorgeous. Like pretty much all of them have been pretty good looking women. But Zoe Kravitz has this certain sexuality about her, this certain, like, I don't know, it's just this extra thing. Like, there's just lust all over her. And it's, she's beautiful. Uh, the way she walks is mesmerizing. Just her overall, I don't know, the things that she does with her face, she's just really, really good at selling the sex of Catwoman, like just being this provocative yeah. woman. But she has a friend who's gone missing. And there's a part in the middle of the movie, I guess it's more so towards the end of the movie, so long. Uh, there's a part in the movie where you listen to this girl being killed through a voicemail and it is, it was uncomfortable in my theater. I could tell that everyone, including oh, yeah. myself was, it was very quiet because the girl is being interrogated by one of the crime bosses, which was Catwoman's father. Yes. Catwoman's father is interrogating the girl. Like, what did he tell you? What do you know? And then she's like, he didn't tell me anything. He didn't tell me anything. And then obviously eventually she says, you know, all he said was this, and, you know, she kind of, she's crying. She's like, all he told me was this. And she tries to keep it very, like, I don't really know anything, but she still kind of says like, I do know enough to where I need to die. At least that's how I interpret it because yeah. she, she was trying to be vague about what she heard. But to me, all I kept reading was you're trying to act like you don't know a lot, but I think, you know, a lot more than you're putting on. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. And the next thing you know, you hear her being strangled. And as she's being strangled, Catwoman's father is saying, oh, it's okay, just like calm down, calm down, relax. As she's yep. literally being strangled. And you can hear the sounds of her kicking and probably clawing and trying to fight it. It's, it's horrible. It's a really dark scene and it's completely silent. All you hear is her and the choking sounds. It's really dark. And uh, my entire movie theater was just quiet. It was fucking... <clears throat> silent in the theater when that was happening and it was and you know for a pg-13 movie i thought it was way too dark <laughs> yeah i don't think oh, that's i took my this daughter to see it and that stuff was going on i was like oh my gosh maybe i shouldn't have brought her <laughs> yeah there were scenes where they were doing drugs and they called the, oh. the drug something else but it was dark i just i didn't know this was rated pg-13 i mean i it guess is. I guess, you know, I guess they wouldn't want to make a Batman movie rated more than PG-13, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've seen a bunch of Batman movies. It's Batman. I'm not too worried about spoilers. Yeah. I think when I watch it, it being Batman, like, you can spoil everything for me. It's not going to ruin the movie for me. It's one of those things where it's like, at least for me, I've seen so much Batman, read so many comics, that spoilers mm -hmm. for this movie isn't going to ruin it for me. So anyway, that aside, everything you guys have been describing... Me not seeing the movie yet, there's no way I would guess it was PG-13. It is. It's PG-13. Yeah, and it surprised me, too, because, like, so I went over the strangulation scene, but that's that's only one of many other dark scenes. There's another part where a guy's head gets blown off by that collar thing from Saul. It just... It just oh, my gosh, yes. I didn't Dude, expect that. That was insane. I did not expect that. I thought for sure, because Batman was in front of him. Like, Bruce was... Well, it, he was Bruce at the time. But Bruce is directly in front of this man so in my or i guess no he was batman when he came back he came back at night in his in full costume and i thought for sure he's going to stop this guy's head from exploding and that just doesn't nope. happen Ooh. there isn't a way to there i don't think there was a way to do it he had to like supposedly the really gave him an out 
which was if you could solve these three riddles in two minutes, three questions, two minutes, he tells him. And it's funny because this, this is another thing that I really love about this Batman movie. So Kenny and the other Batman movies, I don't know if you really get world's greatest detective from the previous Batman scripts. Nope. And yeah, not in like, like in let's to talk about the most famous trilogy, yeah, at Dark least Knight. in modern history is the Dark Knight, right? Right. In those movies, he doesn't really do detective work, it feels like. He more so is just this brooding, dark creature. And, like, he does figure things out, but more so, it doesn't feel like he's an amazing detective. Like, in the um, in the one thing when Morgan Freeman's actor was like, after I do this, like, I'll never do whatever again, right. where they just, like, bug all of the phones Yeah, like, he just sonars the entire city. It's like... That's not you being a great detective. That's you sonaring the entire city. That's you like, illegally you yep. using everyone's phone as a GPS <clears throat> and 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 a sonar to know every movement of every human yeah. in the entire like that's not detective. That's just you having technology that is super illegal and super fucked up. Yeah. Whereas in the comics, uh, all the comics I've read, not all of them, but a lot of them, they really drive home some of the the great ones that he is a detective and he can figure things out and he has great deductive reasoning. But the Batman scripts, you don't really get that. Yes. So this movie, and my whole point is that uh, this is a detective Batman, and they wanted that to be known because this movie plays out different than any other Batman movie before. There's one main villain, and it's it's the Riddler, and the entire movie is just Batman on this case trying to solve and figure out who the Riddler is, get to him, and stop him. It's like the whole thing. So... They don't ever come face to face until pretty much the end of the movie. Whereas Batman and other movies, he has many run-ins with whoever the villain is. Even if it's the Riddler, yeah. he kind of runs into him a couple times before he actually, uh, you know, apprehends him. In this movie, he never runs into the guy until the very, very end. Or at least if he does run into him, he doesn't know. Uh, when I think that's important because it, it kind of seems like one case and he's slowly solving the case. What I really love about it is... When the movie opens and the mayor's killed and they find the mayor's dead body, thumb missing and all that stuff, uh, commission or commissioner Gordon, I guess he's not the commissioner at the time, but Gordon and the other officers are around and they're reading all the riddle stuff and they're looking at the, the scene of the crime and they're trying to uncover whatever they can. And while they're doing that, Batman is walking around the room and he's looking at stuff and like we get to see what he's looking at. He sees blood in certain areas. He's looking at paintings. He's looking at the body. He's looking at the way things were done. And it's so fucking cool to me how they don't understand anything. But then as soon as they say something, Bruce just answers, like Batman answers. And so they read off like one of the riddles and he's like, this is the answer. And then they do it again. And he's like, this is the answer. He just gives these quick. He's so fucking fast. It's amazing to watch. Like he, that's why one of the guys, I, I kind of, my long Facebook post about the movie, I said, this is, this is a great version of detective Batman. And he says, oh, he failed every time. And I'm like, I don't know how you think that he's like the Riddler outsmart him in every turn. I'm like, well, no, like the Riddler left him a clue. And Batman was literally the only person in the room to solve the clue. So he was the smartest person in the room every single time. Like, I don't know why you would think anything else. Like he literally solved every single riddle up until the end well, of the movie. Up until I the could, end. I could, ar yeah, up until the end, because I could argue that because... Even the Riddler was like, oh, well, I guess you're not as smart as I thought you were because he missed the big picture. Right. That was the last and, one. And this is probably the scene that 
scared me the most just because it's probably the most realistic oh out of what the Riddler did yeah. was when they were trying to figure out how to encrypt the video to see the video. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, he's going to out his identity and everything like that. But no, it ends up just him planning this whole mass shooting on these <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> and I was, so I was wild. like, oh my gosh. Yo. I was like, that was a complete twist. I did not see coming. I didn't see that coming either. That shit got, again, dark. And then I it didn't... was too, it was too late to stop the bombs around the city from yeah. blocking the, the water. And then just the whole fact that Gotham was underwater was nuts to me too. That I'm like, oh my gosh. Shocked the hell out of me. Uh, and that's, so that's where the movie kind of starts to drag after that for a bit is like the Joker, not the Joker, the Riddler is apprehended. And then Batman speaks to him and he says, you know, you, you missed like the biggest part of this whole thing. Uh, and then that's when, you know, it's too late by, by the time he figures out, which I thought was great. I thought it was great that Batman not figuring out this last part of the Riddler's game cost probably a lot of people to die. Like I imagine yeah, those bombs and then the whole city of Gotham flooding the way it did. I, I feel like that shit had to have killed a lot of people. Like, a lot of people died in that. It looked wild. And at first, when it was happening, I thought they were doing that thing that movies do where they show you what would happen if the bombs go off and he doesn't stop it. I thought it was all hypothetical at first. And they come to find out, those bombs, that, those bombs went off and that shit really happened and people have gotten flooded and drowned and died. And then, the scariest part, like, the Riddler's goal, his ultimate plan, was to have everyone herd it into Madison Square Garden. We'll just call it Madison Square Garden because that's what it is. Um, so he has everyone runs to Madison Square Garden because that's where the mayor, the mayor elect is the, the black woman who they had. She's about to become the mayor. She's making this big speech to everyone. So, you know, there's tens of thousands of people. And I think Madison Square Garden can fit like 80K people. So let's just use that as an example. Mm -hmm. uh, you have all of these tens of thousands of people in one place and the city's flooding. They don't know it because it's all loud. You know, she's giving a speech. And then the water starts to come in. And these people are starting to not only drown, but then there's a group of terrorists who are going to shoot them with automatic weapons. I was like, this, like you said, very realistic and very, very, very dark and scary. And that shit made me so uncomfortable just watching it. When you see them loading up their assault rifles or, or whatever, automatic yeah. weapons. I oh, like, yeah. I shit. thought that. I was like, dang, that's a big old stack of bullets. <laughs> yeah like you it know just, it was just such a dark idea like this is your goal like this is one of the things you want to do is have people just be shot to like it's so simple right like they're going it's not going to be a big explosion it's not going to be some like disease or anything we're just going to shoot people to death like that's we're going to shoot people who are drowning mind you we're going to shoot people who are drowning running from the, the flood in the city to try to find the one place in the city that has like i don't know maybe it's like elevated in some way because you know a stadium oh uh, they're all running there and then when they get there there's terrorists there with automatic rifles to shoot them down and mow them down. I, I thought that that was crazy. I thought that that takes a, a very American approach to, to, to filmmaking because that's, you know, like you said, it's a very real thing. Like We've experienced something similar to this. Years ago, there was a concert in Vegas. I remember that. Yeah, there was a guy. I think he was 60-something years old. Yeah, was, he was an old veteran, too. Old veteran in the military. And he was on a 66th floor of a hotel that unlocked the concert. So you can see the concert from where he was at. And he had a ton of artillery in his room that he brought up through the elevator. You know, he brought up through the elevators, just bringing in duffel bags full of artillery and crazy ass weapons. And he went on the 66th floor and just started shooting people. And he killed, I don't know, maybe a hundred, 
a hundred people, something crazy like that. And then he also wounded another 200 people. So I think 300 people in total were shot by him. But this is like, when I saw what the Riddler's ultimate, like violent goal was, it reminded me of that real life thing that happened where it was only one person doing it though. Mm. And the Riddler had several fanatics who were like fans of his doing the exact same type of thing. I was like, Jesus Christ, like this would be off. If that happened in real life, you imagine like rolling loud or, um, Coachella or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, and there was some kind of uh, building structure next to it that somebody was on top of, or several people were on top of, and everyone couldn't get out because you know when you're at a concert, like you can be stuck. Like you're kind of just fucking stuck. You can't really run unless the people around you go in the same direction. But then you might get trampled. There's yeah, and whole... then even if that does happen, people are going to get trampled. So people are going to die from gunfire and from getting trampled. Yeah, it's bad. It was really dark, and that's exactly what, what was happening in the movie. Go ahead. What's scary about that is, uh, yeah. Everything you you guys said is true. Like any of that could happen in real life. Like cults, like cults are still like there's still tons of cults. Like yeah. I know people don't really talk about it, and it's not always in the in the limelight with everything else that goes on. But there are still like multiple cults out there that really indoctrinate people and get them tricked into believing these things. Well, let's think and, about last year with January six. You got fucking people storming the capital, nation's capital. Yeah, literally, and they yeah. were violent too. Like they were looking to kill people, and luckily. Some of the people that they were trying to kill either were moved off to safety or they just weren't there that day. But their goal was violence towards some of the, the the elected officials in our country. And that is scary. Like these fanatics literally rushed the nation's capital, which is a treat like treason. He's just fucking straight up treason. And they they like there was violence, there was all types of crazy shit. And you know, a lot of people just went like, oh, they harmlessly did certain things like vandalized offices and stuff like that. But that's still it still can get the fact that they were in the in the Capitol building, right? Like they're in the building, they're destroying property. Yeah. It could easily it could easily have turned into a a situation where they're shooting. You know, people are like yeah, like if they had assault, right? If they if it was the same situation, but half of them brought or not even half, ten percent of yeah, them you brought assault rifles. Yeah, like you're looking at a completely different situation, and it's still horrible what happened. But just think about like how violent it could have been. Uh, it's you said these cults do exist, even if they're not necessarily formed by any one person. It's just like internet culture. There's these little communities out there, these little chat rooms where people obviously that shit was coordinated by somebody. Like some group of people decided, like we're going to do this, we're going to storm the Capitol. So it's it's yeah, it, it, that shit was a little too close to home when that was his plan. I was like, what the fuck? Because up until that point, he had been killing individual people, one one person at a time, and he would always say, "My next victim," right? Like, it would always be my next victim, so it was singular. And then it became, very quickly, like, victims, plural. And I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. What do you think about the Penguin, though? Colin Farrell did such an amazing job as the Penguin. Yeah, he was good. He was funny, too. Very Italian. He was like, overly Italian. Yes. Uh, I think my favorite part was when they tied his feet together, and then he was jumping, and it actually looked like he was waddling like the penguin. Yes, I think that was such a cool little thing, and it only lasted for a few seconds. But as soon as I saw that, I saw that that was cool. Because, like, obviously, they're not going to have him be, like, the uh, Danny DeVito penguin. Yeah, I love that penguin. Me too. Because he's so disgusting. He's so nasty, right? And he has the... I love the penguin in the Gotham series. I never saw that. I never saw oh, that. Oh, that's such a good theory. I saw, I think, season one and maybe a little bit of season two. I know I saw season one, but I don't know how much more of that I've seen or even how many seasons there are. Oh, it's so good. It's um, it's about Gordon, 
before he becomes the commissioner. And uh, Bruce is just like a 13, 14 year old kid, but it's really good. So he's not Batman at all yet. He's not Batman yet, but uh, towards the end of it, that's when he like finds the bat cave and his dad was actually working on something similar to what he becomes and stuff like that. And speaking of his dad, I absolutely love the fact that in this movie, you know, normally he's always betrayed as this nice guy, but he actually ended up making a deal with the devil and ended up getting somebody killed because of it. And which just added more to Bruce's eternal struggle because now he's like, Oh, my dad wasn't as great as I thought he was. Yeah. So the whole premise of uh, this version of Batman, which in a way, this is an origin story, but this movie doesn't do it that way. We kind of just jump right into it. He's already Batman. He's already been Batman for yep. two years. They don't do the whole thing where they show his parents being killed. They don't go over him being an orphan and all that stuff. They don't deep dive into that. You kind of, they kind of just assume at this point, you know, the Batman, which I love because there's been more Batman movies than there have been of any other hero movie ever. Like there are more yeah, Batman. We, do, we know his origin. Everyone we knows know his, his origin. origin. Everyone. Like, so they don't mm-hmm. spend too much time. They do it in a cool way though. Like obviously they're going to throw out like, oh, his parents were killed, and he's he was an orphan. He was a billionaire orphan, and Alfred was around. And they kind of give you all those little facts about Batman that we all know, but they don't do it where the opening 30 minutes is like, how did he become Batman? We, just, You know how he became Batman. So when, right. when we find out that his whole idea is like, okay, my dad was this super righteous person, right? My dad always did the right thing. He was one of the model citizens. So I'm trying to follow in his footsteps in a way by like, cutting down on a crime, fighting crime. This is my idea of carrying on my dad's legacy. And then he finds out that his dad wasn't as clean of a person as he thought. And that he actually did do something that was a little shady and it resulted in somebody being killed. Now, granted his dad didn't intend for the guy to be killed. He didn't give an order to kill someone, but he did give an order to the mob. So he made a deal with the mob to like, okay, can you silence this person? Right. And they they took it to the level that they that's how the mob silences people. They killed them. So it and then because of that, uh, the mob had something over his dad. Right. And so that gave them power over the most clean, the you know, quote unquote, clean person in the city that gave them power over him. Because like now we have dirt on you. And that that's like the best thing that you could have on somebody like that, because this guy's he's he's going for I think his dad was going for mayor or something like that. Right. Yeah. He so, was going for mayor. Yeah. So he was going for mayor. And there was some dirt that was about to come out about uh, Bruce's mom, Martha Wayne, who was, uh, I guess, she had mental health issues in and out of psych wards and stuff like that. So there was that whole thing about that, which I thought was also pretty cool. They touched on like the mental health aspect. And I do feel like in a way that they kind of wanted us to know that his mom suffered from mental illness because Robert Pattinson's Batman, his character as Bruce Wayne, he does seem very off or kind of absent in a way. Like he's just so detached is the word I'll use. He's very detached from his humanity, right? Like he's more of the Batman than he is Bruce Wayne, clearly. Yeah. And to point on that, I think that's so true because when the Riddler said, I know who you really are, this you in this suit, that is the real you. Yep. Yeah. It always goes back to that one meme. I guess it's not a meme, but it's in the comics, but uh, Wonder Woman, she's the lasso of truth on I Batman. I love that. And she's it on, on Superman and Superman. She goes, who are you? Or like, what's your name or something like that? And then Superman says, my name is Kal-El. 
right? And then yeah, he says like Kal El Kent, and then she says like I'm Diana, Princess of Themyscira. Yeah, and then Batman goes, "I'm Batman." What a period, and that is just <laughs> that is just it. He doesn't say Bruce Wayne. He doesn't say he says I'm Batman, and it just has a period, and that is fucking it. There's no more dialogue from his mouth is pressed in the hard line. I love that shit. That will always be a classic. Like, and I don't read American comics at all. I'm an anime person. I'm a manga person. But like that shit makes me want to read American comics. It's such a good, like it's so good. But it so when when Riddler says, you know, this is the real you, and we've heard that before. This isn't new ground that they're breaking in this movie. There's been plenty of times when people are like, the real costume is Bruce. Bruce Wayne is your costume. Like, yeah, like that's your costume. You know what I mean? Like you're really Batman. Same way, uh, you know, Clark Kent, his costume, the costume is Clark Kent. You're Superman for real. That's who you really are. When you put on the glasses and you pretend to be this uh, reporter who works for a news station, like that's your, that's your costume. That's you trying to be one of us, be a human it's, being. It's so funny in like the cartoons from the 90s or early 2000s because Clark Kent, this clumsy Clark Kent in those cartoons is buff as fuck. He's got this yep. big square <laughs> chest, like he's huge, yeah. and he they and people try to make fun, like oh nerd. It's like, do y'all not see how big this yeah. man is? <laughs> like, all right, this nerd's been fucking working out. Like, what are y'all on? Uh, yeah. So I think I do think the uh, back to the just like the overall feel of the movie and him being Batman more than Bruce. There, like, there was the part where Alfred tries to talk to him and reason with him several times, actually, throughout the movie. He doesn't listen to Alfred in this movie. And, and this is this also goes back to the thing about him being young. Young men, yeah. young men especially, don't like being told what to do. They don't like taking people's advice. They don't like listening. I thought this was very, this is very normal. This is a, this is a thing that probably every guy who, you know, if you're in your later 20s or early 30s, you remember the period where no one could really tell you anything and you were just a rebel. And so Alfred tries to, because Alfred's old always, he's much older, and he tries to give Bruce some advice and just, like, help him along his way, because he knows the path he's going down, where it leads, like, right? Like, if you keep going down this path, there'll be no humanity left in you. You're staying the Batman too long. You're abandoning your identity as Bruce Wayne, which is important. Uh, And he just says, I don't care about what happens to me. I don't care if I die. Like, he says that word for, like, I don't care if I die. And it's so rash. It's such a young man's thing, like running head on. I don't care about my life. As long as I, you know, solve some crimes and I'm vengeance, it doesn't matter what happens to me. And he beats his body up a lot in this movie. He gets fucked up a lot. I think a lot well, of that the parachute scene shocked me because I'm like, dang, he got roughed up. So there's this part where he's just like flying down. I forget where he's flying down from. From the police but- headquarters. He like escapes, right? So he's running from the. He oh got, yes, that's he got right. Up. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's flying or whatever, and I thought that suit was really cool, where you could see him fly. Yeah, and then he, Nibble, he does a little manonga. Yeah, <laughs> he does that thing—the the squirrel, the squirrel yeah. monkey thing, or whatever the, you call those things. The flying squirrel. Yeah, yeah. He does that. And, and so when he's coming down and he tries to put his parachute open, it doesn't open quick enough. And then he just, bam, slams into this bridge because the yeah, thing gets caught on it. Rough. And then he just, he, oh my gosh, he gets so roughed up on that. He gets but up and I, he starts limping away. And they like, they, they end the scene. It was really good. My question is, though, when he's on top and he's fighting the mass shooters, he injects himself with this green serum. I, I don't that. know what that is. 
So I was thinking, okay, Eva, that's drop. Is that what they called the, the drug or whatever in that movie? Yeah, they were drop droplets. Whatever. Okay, drops. so so either that was that drug or it was just adrenaline. Uh, I assume I am I, again. This is just assumption, but I I assume that it was pure adrenaline. Like he just injected himself with adrenaline because he did it, and then he kind of like took one of those crazy inhale deep breaths, and then he kind of got up and he was all energized and he started beating that guy to death literally. Like he literally started pounding the guy's face in. It could have could have also maybe been uh whatever maybe in the if they do continuations of this they'll Don't introduce say, a new bane. Yes, oh my god, I was just about to say that. That was my theory. Uh, just because Bane uses that theorem all the time to power himself up, so yeah. it's like I wonder if that's where Bane gets it from in the storyline is from Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because wasn't Bane in the movie with Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze? Yes, but uh, Bane was Poison Ivy's pet, which he, she, I didn't like that that yeah. much. Yeah, and he had that green shit being pumped through his body. Also, yeah. Yeah, you guys, you said, Robin, you said whatever he stabbed himself with in this movie was green, right? Like, I feel like, in, yes, it was green. In the comics, like, in the comics and in the cartoons, like the tubes are almost always green. Like, always whatever, the fluid that. that goes in the Bane is green. Yeah, maybe that will be used later on. They're setting up a lot. And I did hear that the director, was it Matt Reeves or something like that? Matt Reeves, yes. I heard that, you know, people were talking about the length of the movie. He said, yeah, I, I had to do that because it's the first movie in a, at least a trilogy. And they wanted to lay some groundwork for the next two movies, he said. So, I mean, in my opinion, I hope that, like, I hope that he doesn't feel pressure. They're like, oh, I have to make the movie them. Right. two I hours and 20 minutes. Because... We talked about this before, but Infinity War being three plus hours, that yeah. uh, No Way Home, insane. No Way Home being three hours, like those movies are so much better for the fact that they're longer. Yeah, like, if I you made those movies shorter, they wouldn't be as good. Yeah, right. like, people complain saying, "Oh, they didn't go into this backstory. Why is there this plot hole? Like this doesn't make sense. What happened to that?" And it's because you don't want like a three-hour movie. Yep. Yeah, I just I, it sucks because I think that this is the result of a TikTok generation uh, of people where <laughs> everyone's used to yeah. these quick clips, and your attention span is so trained to look at things that are fifteen seconds or thirty seconds or sixty seconds, and that's all you can handle. And whenever something, whenever a scene goes too long, and there's there's no explosions, there's no guns, there's no fighting, people just can't deal. They hate it, and I don't get it. I am so old school, so I can sit there. And watch, like I said, those exposition scenes where a person is just brooding over something or feeling something. Like, let the person yep. feel something on screen without words. Oh, me yep. too. If I can sit through Titanic in one sitting, I can sit through a two and a half hour superhero movie. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> this Batman movie, I don't think there were any like super wasted scenes or anything. I don't think that I watched a scene I think was it like, was detrimental to everything in the story's background and yeah. all of that. I think that, like, when when you watch it, Kenny, I don't think that you'll be sitting there wondering what's going on. In fact, yeah. I think that the movie holds your interest with the murder mystery aspect of it, or with the uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego vibe. Yeah, that stuff is super interesting to me. That the mystery, the we we talked about that in various episodes, like Demon Slayer or Attack, or whatever. Yeah. The, mystery, the mystery makes it that that shit hooks you in, man. Like the action, the explosions, the fights, all that's cool. It's great. But what really keeps you into a story and invested in the long haul is like that hook, the what happened, the what happens next. You're you know? going to love like Robert Pattinson's Batman is to me. He's so cool because of how smart he is. I just appreciate 
when I tell you that someone will read out a clue, because the, throughout the entire movie, the Riddler keeps on writing things, and it will say, it will be addressed, it says, to the Batman. And other people will read it, and then you'll just see Robert Pattinson, like, look down for a second, and then he'll just say the answer. And that, yeah. to me, it's just so... Because we don't even... What's cool about it, we don't get enough time as the viewer to figure out the answer before he says it. Yeah, yeah. It's quick. They want us to be aware this guy's brain is next level. And so the whole, like, you know, oh, he's not the smartest person. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you got that because he, he got all the way to the end because of his ability to solve all the riddles that the Riddler gave him. Like, the, riddle, the Riddler leaves breadcrumbs. He wants, technically, he wants to be found. That's kind of how, yes. mm-hmm. how I feel, right? Like, he, he's one of those type of killers, and this is not new either. You get this a lot where the killers, they want you to find them. They want you to solve the things and figure out what's going on. That's like the game to them. It's like, can you, can you do it? Yep. Uh, I will say he did have trouble figuring out the one riddle with the rat with wings. Cause he's like, Oh, it could mean oh. this. It could mean that. And it was actually Falcone. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you were doing so good. Why can't you figure this yeah. one out? <laughs> Again, t- two years in that, that one was really good because he thought, like a rat with wings is that like a penguin so i first thought it was pigeon a penguin. Stool. yeah it, yeah it, it that was good i think that was really good because it could mean multiple things right so it's not as on you know it's not as on a nose as a rat with wings it's not just a bat because technically like bats are in a way rodents too uh and they even look like it when you look at a bat you see they kind of look like mice but I I do like the idea that that shit was used for basically a triple entendre. It could be the penguin in a way. It could be literally a bat. And then obviously Falcone, the actual. It was all three, if yeah. you really think about it. Yeah. Because Batman was his left target, too. It was. Yeah, that, it's so bril- it was really brilliant. Uh, at one point, didn't he? So at one point, his target was Bruce Wayne. And then it's, at the end, his target was Batman. Or how did it go? Yeah, so it was Bruce first because that's when he sends the bomb and Alfred gets hurt. Yeah, that's just then... to Batman, and he fucking read his mail, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is a, a I know story, <laughs> a story about why you don't open people's fucking mail." Uh, I think it would have went off anyway, whether he opened it up or not. Probably, but I do think it's funny that that shit was not addressed to him, and he opened that man's mail, and he got fucking blown <laughs> up. And I was like, "Well, Alfred, that's what you get." Well, if you look on the front of the package, it has the same writing as all of the other cards. So I was thinking that's probably why he opened it up, because he knew who it was from. Oh, yeah. I mean, the second he saw it, he knew exactly. I don't think there was any question uh, who it was to, but I think Alfred being just the the person that he is, because he's kind of, he considers himself a protector of Bruce. And he was always going to open that shit. There was there was never a world where regardless. He yeah. He was never not gonna open that mail. And uh, I just think it's funny. Federal felonies. Yep. Like our parents. Our parents do that shit on the reg. <laughs> I've had my mail open by my parents a couple times in my life. I'm like, stop doing that. Like, do not open my goddamn mail. I Yu-Gi-Oh packages. Uh, I wanna know who leaked the voice message of Falcone killing the girl, because I thought it was Catwoman that did it. But I'm not so sure. So she's the one who plays it, but you mean like who leaked it to everybody? The media, yeah. You don't know. Maybe there are some uh, loose loose ends in this movie that'll kind of be brought up in the next one. And I will say, typically, in a trilogy, 
the first one is pretty good, right? Depending on how it goes. But then the second one, because they don't have to worry about origin stories at all, the entire movie can just focus around whatever the plot is. I feel like the next version of this Batman is going to be amazing. Like this one was amazing too. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like the second one will be even better. I think so too, especially if the Riddler is in it again. <laughs> you really want the Riddler again? He's an yes. awesome. Yeah. Well, the guy who plays Riddler, I've I've been a fan of him for a while because the first movie I ever saw him in was in like 2002, and he was a playing he was playing a teenager in that movie. Okay, he looks so crazy oh he he does look crazy in almost any movie he does and that's just a good job that's just his facial expressions um well he does play this like one crazy priest in uh, this movie called there will be blood and he does a really good job in that too i saw that that movie sounds way too familiar for me not to have seen it there will be blood yeah i go ahead it's interesting because um there's like this this stigma, I guess, of sequels or middle ch- like middle child syndrome in video games and in movies, where there's a lot of movies where the middle movie is the worst one, where the middle game is the worst one, or yeah. like because it, yeah. it tries to do too much and it gets a little confused or whatever. But in superhero movies, it does feel like, especially for trilogies, the middle ones usually. You end think up about cr- Spider Man, like, the original, the original Spider Man movies. The second one was the best one. Yep. Uh, I would say Far From Home was also really good. Like, obviously, it's not better than No Way Home. No one could expect No Way Home to be as good as it. Well, that shit was crack. But yeah. Far From Home was amazing and to me better yep. than the first, like, Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And then, in general, I'll say that lately, like, let's say the last 10 years, I think that in the case of trilogies, the second movie has not been bad usually. Yeah. Like, that whole stigma. It's kind of being a, like it's kind of just not true anymore. Like the, the second movie yeah. is bad. You know what I mean? Like oh, like there's that whole uh, the the sequel was always you know the sequel's bad. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because like in like keeping it in superheroes, like Iron Man two is pretty bad. Yes, but but then like and Thor the Winter Thor the Winter Soldier too, right the second Thor is unwatchable. The second Thor and Ant Man and the Wasp are the worst Marvel movies ever made. But, but but you were about to talk about Winter, like Soldier. Winter Soldier is one of the best Marvel movies ever made. Like that movie is like insane. Top five Marvel movies ever. It's that it's so fucking good. Um, and it's a sequel. And so yeah, yep. I think that I think that over time, and, and maybe it's just superhero movies, but they are kind of getting rid of that whole the second movie. The, the sequel's terrible. So I'm I'm excited for the second one. The Dark The Dark Knight is also the best of the trilogy, right? Like yep. that is the movie. People talk about the Dark Knight Rises sometimes just to bring up Bane and his voice. But at the end of the day, the Dark Knight is the one. Like that—that that is the one. Yeah, when people talk about the Dark Knight Rise, it's always—it's always Bane. It's like, yeah. like, like I was born in the dark. Like I, I often forget. Like oh yeah, Catwoman's in that. Anne Hathaway is Catwoman, and she's a good Catwoman. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like—I like her. She's acting. okay. She's she's fine. <laughs> I, I actually really like her because of the one scene where uh, she's 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 captured by uh, let's just say some mobsters, and she's in there, and they make her make a phone call. And then the whole mm-hmm. place starts getting shot up, and there's a, like a a police raid. And when they come in, she's screaming frantically, like she's literally a victim in distress. And then after <laughs> the guy passes, she's like looks back, and then she fucking walks out, rips like the, the way she just like gets changes her complete outfit and everything because she looks like a maid at one point in the movie. And then she like rips off both the pieces. And she's in like a little black dress now. 
And then she kind of goes back and she's like, oh my God, they're back there. They're back. And then she starts walking again like a normal person. I love it. Like, I love that quick <laughs> transition between the stressed woman victim to a uh, savage uh, cat thief. Right. But Zoe Kravitz, and I want to expand on her character a bit more. Oh, she's so beautiful. She, has, she did such a good job. I feel, and I like, so I, we talk about her beauty a lot, and I, I don't want that to feel like it's overshadowing her actual cat woman. <laughs> oh, but, it's not. Oh, it's not. But her beauty is something (laughs) it's just unreal but as an actual catwoman she has all the things that make a good catwoman right so she's she's a typical thief uh she's on a run right from her past in some way uh she's Mm -hmm. trying to escape typically uh she's in with some bad people like that's always kind of a thing with her too she's always somehow linked to mobsters or linked to some people who are just not doing good shit like they're like in this one, she's linked with the the penguin, and then her dad is the fucking actual mob boss, like the top of the chain mob boss. Like he's the top yeah. of the chain, and I thought it was cool because they made him like a mixed black guy. And at first, I was like, okay, I've seen that guy in something. He's like this tall mixed black guy, like a curly curly hair, curly fro. And then you know, Zoe Kravitz is also mixed blatantly. She's like a very light skinned black girl, mixed. And then come to find out, it's her daughter. It's his daughter. So I thought that was a cool little plot twist. But just like everything about her. And the way she's a love interest to Batman, she's also kind of like that anti-hero where she does help him, but at the same time, she has her own little agendas, and sometimes she even double-crosses him or goes against mm-hmm. him. That's like that's just Catwoman to a T. Like, if I had to say, describe Catwoman in five things, like, those are the things. She's beautiful. She's elusive. Like, she's on a run. She's a thief. Uh, she also knows how to fight really well. I think that the way they, they... The choreography for her, specifically, is so good. There was one part where she's fighting a guy, and she got put on a table... She does like these two kicks in his face. I was like, God damn. Like she's yeah. she's really good at fighting. <laughs> Very acrobatic. Yeah. She is. Yeah. In fact, so it starts off with Bruce stalking her. Uh, because he notices he goes to question the penguin and she delivers a drink to the penguin, but she's noticing what Batman he put down these pictures of the girl who's missing, which is happens to be Catwoman's friend. And they make eye contact. Bruce and Zoe Kravitz, they make eye contact. And so immediately after that, he realizes this girl knows something about the girl I'm looking for. So he starts stalking her. He follows her back to her apartment. He has binoculars and he's watching her from a distance on top of a roof. And he sees her undressed, which again, so fucking beautiful. Her body's insane. He's like on some peeping Tom type shit. And clearly he falls for her because she's, how could you not? Um, but he like, he, he finds her. He, he figures out who she is. He goes snooping in her apartment. He finds out her name, Selena Kyle. And he learns all these things about her. And then they get into like, you know, a moment where she goes on one of her, uh, she switches into her outfit as Catwoman. She gets into her all leather, puts on her little, you know, ski mask looking thing with the little cat ears. And she goes out on one of her little night raids back to the scene of the crime, actually, right? She goes to the mayor's house and he follows her there and they get into like a fight. And then there's this one moment where they have to get quiet, but he's he like grips her up really close. It's like an intimate moment where he's all up on her body and they have to be quiet from him. So it's like very like that moment. I was like, okay, I know this man is probably getting a little woody right there. And she was like, <laughs> she's like, pressed, she's like pressed up against him on a wall. Right. And like, he's just like super quiet and she's super quiet. I was like, I'm sure he's enjoying that. Uh, but they have like a little fight choreography and even the choreography for that is really, really good. He never yeah. blatantly hits her and she's trying her hardest to hit him. But he's 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 clearly the better martial artist over her. So it's just really good. I just like a lot of things they did really well with this. Uh, there's that scene from the trailer I thought was also pretty decent. The scene where 
he's uh, track, tracking down the penguin. The penguins want to run. And he thinks he, you know, he thinks he kills Batman in an explosion. And you see the Batmobile come through the fire. And he's like, I got you. I got oh, you. Oh, yeah, that was so, that was so cool. We got to see the Batmobile. Yeah. I, I geeked out in the movie theater. I was like, yeah, you can finally. Tell, you could tell that a lot of this Batman's technology is uh, a little, so I won't say it's outdated or anything because it's clearly broken as fuck for the world he lives in. But you could tell it's going to go further. Is what I what I want to right. say. Right. So it's just the introduction. It is his Batmobile could use some work. I, I, I you could tell right. Like it seemed a little. In fact, when he first started the Batmobile, it was like it wasn't moving at first the way he wanted it to, and then it kind of. Oh t- yeah, it, it kind of blew blew out. And yeah, then it kind of stalled. Able to get it start up again. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of stalled at first. So and you know, that's what, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, something that's kind of funny is that the Batmobile is such a big part of the Batman movies. Yeah. Whereas. In the comics or even in the cartoons, when people watch them, they're not like waiting for the Batmobile. No. But in every Batman movie, like it's always a thing people talk about. Like people are waiting. Like the Batmobile, for some reason in the movies, is like a big part of Batman movies. Seeing like, people it brought to, see to the life. fucking Batmobile. It's seeing it brought to life, which is so cool, right? Because we've seen it in the 90s cartoons so much. And you see it in other things. And then when you finally get to see this shit in a live action movie, I think it does. Sometimes it gets applause. I've been at theaters yeah, where yeah. the Batmobile's reveal will literally get people clapping. Yeah, it's it's interesting because everybody knows it too. Like the people making Batman movies, they know that without having to talk to anybody, the audience is waiting to see the Batmobile. So they've started to make the Batmobile like a reveal. It is, and this one doesn't come into the middle of the movie, so it is. It has that same vibe to it where your theater may applaud when it comes. Yeah, it's, it's literally a reveal. Uh, two things I want to talk about. Oh, go ahead, Robin. Oh, no, I was just going to harness on the Batmobile thing. I liked how in like the first half of the movie, though, before we even see the Batmobile, when he's riding around before he goes into the suit, he's literally just riding around on this cheap motorcycle, too. Mm. It's like nothing fancy or anything like that. Yeah. It's just a regular motorcycle. He looks very inconspicuous. I think that's like his goal too. When he goes out as Bruce Wayne, like in the you know, just as a human, Bruce Wayne, uh, he goes in this outfit that I won't say he looks like everyone else, but he just kind of blends in, right? Like he just kinda yeah. doesn't look like anyone that you need to pay attention to. It doesn't he doesn't draw too much attention to himself. Dark clothing, goes out at night on a motorcycle with a book bag, and that's just kind of his normal lay when he's not Batman. Uh but two things that my friend Garen talked about on my facebook post uh that i really do appreciate about this movie uh one they established very early on like the first time he gets into an altercation that his suit is completely bulletproof yes so, i thought that was super cool too yep so you don't have to worry about him getting shot unless it's shot in the face because every time somebody shoots him that shit just bounces off it's just they establish it really early on and you just have to accept it from the gate it's not something that comes at the very end where you're like how the fuck did that not pierce him the first time somebody shoots him he literally kind of looks at them like you fucking idiot. Uh, Cause nothing <laughs> happens. It doesn't have like a pistol, <laughs> regular pistols that people on the street would have. Cause you know, he fights gang. His first fight is with a bunch of gangsters, but regular pistols don't do jack shit to his suit. They just bounce off ricochet. And so because they established that in his very first fight is like, okay. So for the rest of the movie, then when he gets shot, you're not really worried. And that, that kind of holds true for the most part. There's that one scene where he gets hit with a shotgun, but, but every other time he gets shot at, it's just kind of like, you're retarded or I should, you know, you're, you're, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck are you actually doing shooting at me? Then the other thing that I really like 
that they established really early on is that this Batman, and this is probably how all of them should be, when he gets mobbed, right, when there's a bunch of people fighting him at once, not only does he get hit from behind often, the people don't just wait around for their turn. They literally yeah, yeah. jump him how someone would really be jumping a person. If they noticed fighting. that too. He gets fucked up a lot, right? Like he, he gets hit, he gets hit in the back with a bat. Like when and like he takes real damage too from these things. Like when he gets hit, you see him kind of react to it. Like he kind of wobbles and shit. At one point, they start dragging him by his cape and he can't get his balance. Like there's two guys, they got him by the cape. He's on the ground and they literally yanking him. And he can't like he's he's kind of like being being dragged. He can't do anything. And so yeah. I kind of I kind of like that feeling of you don't see seven people fighting this man and he beats one person down. Then the other guys who's standing there just waiting his turn to get beat up too. It's like, what the fuck? Like, why would you yeah. be waiting there while he's beating up on the guy with his back turned to you? They, they jump him. They literally jump him. So I also really like good. how after he was fighting the people, the shooter people, how he was literally about to fall off. And then like, you could just see the vulnerability and then Catwoman saves him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like the very end, right? When, when that guy's about to kill him. Yep. Yeah, and then you can see him on the verge of losing his shit because he just goes and starts bashing this guy's face in, and they have to stop him from doing that. Yeah, he loses it for a second. That's after that adrenaline thing. Yep, I'm trying to think about other that things. adrenaline thing's going to be coming. That thing, that it's thing's green. coming back. It was, then, yeah, it was that, so vividly green, Kenny, that they wanted you to realize that it was something special. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think. Robin, I think you're like I, it. It's going to be Bane. Like I think Bane's got it. If not the next movie, the, I don't know if a third one's planned. I'm. I think it is. Matt Did Reeves they? said there was two more. Okay, yeah, I definitely think Bane's got to show up. Also, if this movie, I didn't know Penguin was in this. I knew it was the Riddler. I didn't know Penguin was in this one too. Mm-hmm. So it he's sounds like not her- the, he's not the main villain in it though. He's kind of like a side character. Yeah. But once yeah. Falcone is like completely gone at the end of it. They show him and it's like other people now can take over where Falcone yeah, left they off. There's going to be a power grab now, which the penguin is clearly probably next in line. Theoretically. Yeah. Yep. So the, it seems like they're really building like a, uh, like they're building up Batman's catalog of villains. You know what I mean? Are. Like you guys, like they've got Riddler penguin. I mean, Falcone, who's not like a big villain, but he's, he's in all the Batman stuff. And then, the oh, is Falcone movie. like a character? From... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay, a character he... from the comics. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... The end of the movie teases either Two-Face or Joker. Yep. So, you know, it seems like there's a lot of teases and a lot of things that are going to be going into They set Gotham up catalog. nicely. Yeah. They set Gotham up very nicely. Also, because the, the Gordon that he's been cooperating with the entire movie, so... I don't know the guy's name, but he's a great Gordon already. I like him a lot. I don't know how you feel about him, Robin, but I did like the guy that got to play Gordon. Oh, no, I loved him as Gordon. He's really good. He's really supportive of yeah, Batman. Funny. And There was one part where Batman says, no guns, and he said, that's you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's black. Yeah. So that shit was so funny to me. I was like, that was such a black-ass line. Like, that line, I like, feel like, was ad-libbed. He was like, that's me. That may be how you work. <laughs> yeah, because they, they go into infiltrate something, and he's like, no guns. He said, that's you. I love that part. <laughs> I like, laughed at that part. Right? You need to relax. Yeah, like, you need to right. chill the fuck out. I thought that was so good. Uh, and, you know, other things are true. You know, other things are, are key to Batman, like the whole I don't kill thing. So Catwoman, she's about to kill somebody, and then Batman's all like, you know, you'll be no different than your father. You'll be no different than them if you sink to that level. So he doesn't. He chooses to not kill 
Uh, he tries to get other people to follow that same ideology, but Catwoman says, I don't subscribe to that. And though she she yeah, tries yeah. to, she does try to kill her victim. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then Batman, Batman saves, saves the person as you expect. But uh, I do like that he, even in his madness, he typically is, you know, on a no kill thing. And then at the end, he did lose his shit and start to beat that guy up really bad. Uh, but yeah, this, this movie, it's really, really good. And even though it's PG-13, it often doesn't feel like it. When they went to that nightclub... It really doesn't. Oh, yeah, that nightclub was something else. The nightclub gave me vibes of something very sleazy. You know what's happening there. You know that people are selling sex. You know that there's Johns in there buying from prostitutes. Like, you get... It's the whole typical dark night, that nightlife, that that sleazy uh, underground environment. And then you find out that all of the city's political leaders are... They go there. Like, they frequent there. Like, you'd see... Biden and Hillary in there and shit like that. Like that's the type of place that it's very, <laughs> it's one of those places. And even darker than that, they showed them getting high. Like one of the city's councilmen is blatantly there and he's just like doing the drug drop or whatever they call it. He's yeah. The DA. Yeah. He's high out of his mind too. Like he's very clearly high and he's attracted to Zoe Kravitz. And he's all like nasty and greasy and trying to like, you want to, you need a ride and do you want to come back with me? And, that whole thing. It's just very, I don't know, it has that vibe of, of you know what's going on here. They don't have to blatantly show you uh, people buying sex, but you know that they are. And then he does offer her, like, do you want some of this blow? Like, that's that's what I took from it, right? Like, do you want to yeah. get, get high with me? He offers her drugs. Do you want to drop? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's just, I was like, that's just blatant, right? Like, you just asked her if she <laughs> wants some drugs. <laughs> like, so PG-13, I don't know. Like, when I think about a little kid seeing this, I'm like, damn, this is his dark as I can get as far as like the only thing they could do more is show them literally closing one nostril and snorting. Yeah. Uh, after the end of it, I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have taken my nine-year-old daughter to see this movie, <laughs> but you know, PG 13, you didn't really expect it to be so dark, but it yeah. was, it was very dark. The guy, the, again, that collar scene, when that guy's head blue, I was like, Oh my God. I thought I was like, oh, okay, Batman's here now. He's going to solve it. He solved all the riddles pretty quickly too, but yeah, that guy's, I don't think it, like you said, I don't really think that guy's collar was ever coming off. Given the amount of time he had to solve everything, like two minutes. Oh, well, the last question, he refused to answer it because he said, oh, I'm a dead man either way. So yes. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go out on my own terms. That is how it went. Because he said, even if I survive, like I have, because he said I have family. So, mm -hmm. you know, like even if I, if I answer that question, sure, I might live today. But I'm going to die not only in the long run, but then my family's also at stake at that point if I do that. And I agree. I, I get his logic, even though I think self-preservation, when I, mm -hmm. you know, I think about self-preservation, like there's no fucking way I'm going to sit there with a bomb collar on and not try to save myself. And I'll worry about all the other stuff after that, personally. What, what was the, uh, what was the question? Uh, who's the worried. rat? Who's the rat? Uh, yeah, who's the rat? And he wouldn't. He wouldn't say who yeah. it was. Because one of the big themes of the movie is, so the Riddler's goal, at least in the beginning, is to expose all of the corruption in Gotham, right? This is, you know, typical type of thing. He wants yeah. to show, it's just like the Joker in The Dark Knight. He wants to show how corrupt people are if you put them in situations. When, remember when the Joker gave two different boats and they both have the detonator to the other boat? And if anyone yep. presses it, the other boat blows up. Well, that's yeah, what he one, said. One boat. One boat is like all these rich, fancy people. The other boat are all these prisoners. Yep. And then they're like, well, we should just kill them. They're all prisoners. And then they argue over the remote and all that type of thing. And I thought that was amazing, right? But no one ends up pressing it. And we don't even know if what the Joker said was true. 
For all we know, whoever pressed it could have blown themselves up, which is how I think it really would have played out if somebody pressed it, and he would have laughed and been like, <laughs> they killed themselves. Uh, but anyway, the Riddler is kind of on that same thing, where he's trying to expose like how fucked up the people are in Gotham, but mainly the upper echelon people and the lies and the corruption. So that's his overarching goal. And there's this rat uh, theme. There's like this whole theme in his rat going on about the the mob and the police and how they solved this one big drug bust like years ago and who actually was responsible for that. Like who was the person who gave the drop on this huge drug system? And then now come to find out the entire political injustice system is behind it. Like they took over. So after they, after the drug bust uh, from years ago, the judges, the councilmen, everybody, they're all, they're all now the ones controlling that they didn't dismantle the system. They discovered it. They did a drug bust on it and they said they dismantled it, but then they, they they ended up just taking it over and continuing it. Yeah. So it's that type of thing. And he's like, I want to expose like, who's the one who gave that drop back then. And that's like a big print. That's like one of the bigger riddles of the movie. And then when you get to the part with the, the bomb collar, he doesn't say who it is. Cause he's like, I have family and stuff. And he lets himself, lets himself die. Mm. Right. Um, so one thing that I thought about a lot, cause in a lot of Batman movies and the comics, Bruce opens up the orphanage, right. For young boys and stuff like that. Yes. And I think in this movie, because of the Riddler said, this is the reason why I am. It's because after Thomas Wayne dies, the renewal program and to help the orphans and everything didn't happen. So I think this was a stepping stone and for him to start that. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And also that little boy, so I, I keep forgetting, but the mayor's son, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, they show him a lot in the movie and, you know, people speculate like, oh, that's going to be Robin or whatever. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with that character, but he was shown a lot, that little boy. And I do think that they're going to do something with him. Cause I feel like there's no reason to show him as much as they did, but yeah, did they maybe... haven't to say his name. I don't think they did. Um, the only reason why I think they showed him a lot is because I think Bruce felt a connection with him because of how the way he lost his and dad. He's, yeah. He's an orphan too. So like they have that connection by default and he sees himself in him. Which, you know, that makes sense. Like, I'm like, that does make sense to me when they, they showed they showed him like three or four times. I was like, okay, is he like Tim Drake or, uh, you know, whatever the other names that Robin go? He has so many different iterations, but I wonder if he's one of them. And we'll, they're probably saving that type of thing. Like, the end credits, the, the post credit scene didn't really give us anything either. Like, there was yeah. nothing really to latch on to. It's like at the end, you got that guy who's probably the Joker, his laugh and everything like that. He was like trying to be friends with the Riddler, but you don't really get much outside of that as far as like what the next movie is going to be about like it kind of just was like oh maybe the joker even if they even if they said his name they would probably do some tricky stuff where you wouldn't because i remember i think in dark knight rises everybody was speculating that the cop i think it's uh levitt what's his yeah yeah Yeah, levitt yeah Mm -hmm. everybody was saying that he's uh the robin and then at the end of the movie like he shows his passport and he like his whole movie has a different name, and then when he finally shows his passport, he reveals like it's one of the Robins or something. He yeah. has like the right name or something. I forget exactly. You're right though. I think that the whole time he doesn't have the name of a Robin, and then when he shows his real name, it is the name of a Robin, and then he discovers the Batcave. Yeah. Blatantly. Yeah, and since we're on the subject of Robin, I know you watch Euphoria. You know the kid that plays Ash. Yes. So he actually wants to be the Robin in the next Batman movie. Oh, really? With Robert Patterson. Yeah, he said he would love 
Robin with him on that. So that's interesting to me because Ash is very small. And I guess that that kind of would make sense if, if it's like a young, like a really young boy. And we sh- we see mm-hmm. how... Like Tim Drake or something like that. And yeah. we see how Bruce kind of trains him up from a young boy to be uh, Robin, like grooms him to be Robin, as opposed to him being like an older teenager with the body of a man already. And then he's like Robin from the gate. It would be kind of cool to see him go from like, how did you even get to this point? Right. Right. Like grooming him. Cause this, this Batman is so young that if he has a Robin, you know, Batman is always pretty like, he's pretty well ahead of Robin in age at like every time. So it would make sense that because this Batman is so young, that Robin would have to be really young. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I like stuff like that when different actors, whatever, are super fans of something. Like I know Donald Glover for years was like, I want to be Spider-Man. And he didn't get to be Spider-Man, but, but he got to be in a he yeah. got to be in a Spider-Man movie, which is really cool. I'm sure he was like as st- like as a person like as a person, he was probably so fucking happy to be in a Spider-Man movie. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh anything else we want to say about the Batman Robin before we like transition to something else? Uh no, I think that's pretty much it we covered almost about everything yeah we pretty I much feel. yeah like we got a lot of it off and if there's something that we missed you guys can write into i am their podcast at gmail.com let us know what you guys thought about the batman the new series how do you think it compares to the other batman movies i don't really think it's a contest between this one and the older ones except maybe the dark knight trilogy because the other ones like the moment mr freeze and Oh, they don't really they're can- fun they're fun movies but they're not yeah they're campy movies. movies they're very yeah. campy. they're very like for children they're very childish yeah, yeah, yeah. in that way like they're not they're the original they're what pg-13 is supposed to be exactly <laughs> yeah very... i didn't feel this was pg-13 at all so when i think about pg-13 i do think about mr freeze and all his corny ass lines oh yeah <laughs> you know it's time <laughs> that's to chill. arnold for and, you <laughs> yeah all the corny like i'll be back basically like the terminator type of lines that the mr freeze had he's basically just a terminator with mr freeze's costume on like that's what he played the same person just with the costume of Mr. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But uh, yeah, those movies are very campy. Best way to describe it. I like that word. I like using that word here. Campy for the older ones. And they're, they're fine, but they are definitely more for kids. They, are, they live up to the PG-13 thing. Whereas this movie, with the amount of death and drugs and violence and terrorist attacks and stuff like that, and blatantly seeing people be bludgeoned and taped up and all, I was like, I don't, I do not get PG-13 from this shit at all. Yeah. I almost think that I mean, I don't know, maybe it'd be too cumbersome, but I do feel like there should be a movie rating in between PG-13 and R. Yeah. Because there's a big difference between a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. I, for I think there I think there is. I think it's NC-17. I think that, that, that I do remember hearing that, but I don't remember if that's for... Because I know, like, uh, like on TV, t- television has, like, uh, TV-14 or whatever. Um, yeah. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. There might be, but if there, if NC seventeen is the one, because that does sound familiar. I feel like it never gets used. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting to. Is like they, there may be other ratings. They don't get used. I know why rated R doesn't get used for movies. Uh, just because of sales, right? Like, yeah, when you put rated R on something, then you do cut out a lot of kids who can see it, and a lot of parents won't even take their kid to see something just because it says rated R. So by right. default, every single movie. Just for the sake of money, if they can go without making something rated R, they will. Yeah, they yeah, did that with cool. Deadpool though, and it turned out really good. Yeah. yeah, they made their whole marketing that listen, bitch, this is a superhero movie that's rated R. Yeah, and I think it made it. It it was so. And the Deadpool, I haven't seen Deadpool two yet, 
but oh, it's Deadpool, really good. I, yeah, I love the first one. The first one. Also, really I wanted good. I wanted to ask real quick on the note of Batman and Robin, you being a huge Riddler fan, is there if you had to suggest to me or anybody, like, is there a quintessential like Riddler storyline that you would suggest to people to like read or watch or you know whatever it is? Um. Yeah. Let me. It is. Hold on. I actually it's have... It's like, this is a, the Riddler, and if you really want to see some really cool Riddler shit... Like, yes, so hold on a minute. I have to look at my comics and show you which... Or, well, not show you, but tell you which one. Um, I would say it would probably be the uh, DC Universe Rebirth Batman. The Riddler in that one is pretty crazy. Okay. Do you, do you know like around what issue like his story arc starts? Uh, I don't know exactly what issue, but okay, that's fine. That's fine. But the Rebirth Batman in general. Yes, and then zero year. zero year is really good too. Uh, Robin, I know you're a big fan of Euphoria. Probably the biggest fan next to me. And oh, uh, yep, Kenny hasn't started it yet, but we could do a little. Oh more. my. Gosh, what? I'm gonna get him to watch it. Don't worry. It's because <laughs> like it's it's something that Kenny would enjoy anyway. This is it's not out of his wheelhouse. Like he would like the show. Um, yeah, it's just finding time that with all the different games and shows and movies that we watch and play for the podcast, it's like finding time that fit all of them in. Yeah, it's no, it's. I totally understand that. It is not easy, but like Triangle Strat Project Triangle Strategy just came out, and like just yesterday, I did a 10 hour stream playing triangle strategy and fucking loved every minute of it. Oh, do you, oh wow. Do you like it? It's good. Yeah. 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 It's really good. Here we go. Uh, but yeah, euphoria just ended season two. Oh my goodness. I know you're a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a huge fan of Zendaya after this too. Like her acting, oh, she deserves yeah. an Oscar, even though it's a show. Like they need to give her, <laughs> like she needs to get an Oscar. For she gets an, she needs to get another Emmy for sure. Yeah, well, I think that she has that in the bag. I think after the episode where it starts off with the first 15 minutes of it is just her spazzing the fuck out. Oh yeah. The acting on that was so intense and like, it made me very uncomfortable because I, in my life have experienced someone close to me suffering from drug addiction and they act exactly the way she was acting. Oh yeah. Me too. I, I mean, not to put too much of my personal business out there, but my mother was a really big addict and, you know, I've tried so many times to help her get sober and yeah. anytime they relapsed, you it's know, they rough, would man. act like that. And, it's you know, so trying dark. to do interventions and stuff like that. It's really tough. And they get really nasty. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I, I, I think it's everybody, right? Like every everybody's family. If you look, like yeah. some people might ignore parts Someone, of their family, yeah. but like my family, like there is quite a few people in my family that struggle with drug addiction. Yeah. People, some people have died Same. of overdose. It's like relatable it's in every content. family. Yeah, that but shit people, is relatable. Some people try to like pretend it doesn't exist, but like it's there. Yeah, it's really Euphoria touches on a lot of the things that people try to turn a blind eye to, especially because they're younger adults. Uh, these are high school students, but all of these things happen. They really do happen. And what gets me is how even after the show came out, people try to act like, oh, like what high schools are actually doing these kind of drugs? What high schools are actually having sex and stuff like that? I'm like, yo, were you not, high school? Were you, what are you talking about? Like, are, were you not a teenager? Like people were doing cocaine. <laughs> people were smoking weed. Oh, people sure. were having sex. Girls got raped. 
like all the all the things that you see in euphoria happen in real life with real high school students yeah. and teenagers and we shouldn't turn a blind eye to it I, I won't out anybody but i can remember the names first and last names of the people in my high school where every single day they were high like yeah. they came to school every day just fucking blitzed we're getting high in the bathroom or you know whatever yeah yeah doing pills or everything like that and yeah people the, they just wake up to the reality like these these things and the the big thing in my high school was Adderall which is still really big in the Yu-Gi-Oh community oh, too yeah. Adderall is huge in Yu-Gi-Oh and it's it's not talked about enough a lot of the regular community I guess of Yu-Gi-Oh they don't know about how big the Adderall use is especially among the quote-unquote pro community like oh I know like when I first I mean, when I first started playing, it was just in the malls at like a store and they would have like weekend turns. But once it really came to it and traveling and hanging out with a lot of people, it just amazed me how much people used Molly, Adderall, yeah. Snorting Cub, all that type stuff. I've seen it and all, literally. Me too. <laughs> and some of people's faves that they would never guess doing some shit that you would never you oh, would yeah. just never think some of the people who I'm, not think, names, same, I'm, not I'm not gonna name any names but I'm not gonna name them but <laughs> there are some people that you would be surprised at the shit they do and it's like whoa I remember what's scary is uh, I first saw people really doing Adderall and I remember Xanax was huge in fucking middle school like middle school not even high school I remember like 7th 8th grade there was a kid whose nickname was literally Zanny because oh my god he yeah because and like everybody called him zanny and it like it was like he always was on xanax he would like sell xanax like all the fucking time and that was like in seventh or eighth grade so so to, for people to say this doesn't happen in high school like they are just not they're either just really sheltered or they're blatantly they trying to like forget willful ignorance they call it willfully yeah. ignorant uh but yeah, yeah. This, these things definitely do happen and I'm not surprised. Now the new thing, the hot drug of choice, or I guess the hot pill is just Percocet. That's like... Really? That's, that's the drug of choice these days. That's what all the kids are doing. That's like... When you see people in that zombified state, a lot of the times it's Percocet that does that to them. When they are kind of leaned over or hunched over and they look like they're almost sleeping but standing, uh, usually mm. that's a Percocet. Oh, yep. Do we see those people? Yeah, I, when you take public transportation in Philly, you, oh. you can you can see them. They'll, like the... <laughs> The, the the train will be moving, right? And, like, you as a normal person, you're like, you'll jerk you off to grab something to stay up or whatever. But these guys, they will be standing there completely dipped out and, like, leaning over. And the train will be moving and stopping. And they just, like, their body just, like, they're basically unconscious. Yeah. And they don't fall. They do not fall. They just lean and wobble. It's actually wild. They, they don't, don't go fall. down. Yeah, they do not fall. It's crazy. They never fucking fall. I uh, I actually try to do what they do before, and I realized that it does work. If you let yourself go and not try to fight against the jerks of a train, uh, <laughs> for some reason, you can control your balance a lot better if you just kind of let your body move with the train. Like, as the train jerks you yeah, left yeah. or right, don't try to stiffen up. Like, if you just loosen up, it actually makes it easier to control where your body stops and goes. So, uh, there's, there's maybe something scientific <laughs> to, the whole, something to, it. to the whole thing, because they do, they do not fall. You're right. I also want to say, you guys said uh, Zendaya deserves an Oscar. Dude, her and Tom deserve a fucking Oscar. 
for that fuck for that cell phone scene in No Way Home. I, we've talked about it before, but them on the phone and No Way Home being dorky little Just high school candid, students. Yeah, that candid ass yeah, conversation. Yeah. Being <laughs> dorky little students and like talking to each other on the phone. And they're was, fully like 25 years old each. Dude, premier, <laughs> premier acting. Like it was I bet so they were good. like that when they first started dating in real life though. Yeah. <laughs> they look like in that scene, they really did seem like two high school students who are, you know, in a relationship and they're just having a conversation at night, which they probably do every single night because you know how it is, how clingy you are back then. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It seemed so genuine, though. It really did. Yep. It seemed like an actual conversation that two high school students would have and not something that's forced and acted out. And them kind of looking around and. Yeah, the way like, you can't look at the screen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Very good. I love them as a couple in real life. Her? I think they're about to buy a house together too. No, oh, damn, we're getting serious. Well, they've been dating pretty much since the first Spider-Man movie. They just didn't want to confirm it. Yeah. What is it with that fucking franchise where Spider-Man and Mary Jane just get together? It's every time. Like, I it's, I don't it's, understand. Every fact, Spider-Man movie they I end up dating. I think the director said something about like don't date, like don't date. Tried to tell them not to, and obviously they did it anyway. Right. Well, before Tom Holland even became Spider-Man, that was his celebrity crush. Like in interviews he's done, he's always said that she's been his number one crush. Oh, well. How, of course, is he not going to try and go for it once they start working together? Yeah, and this is his biggest role now. Well, I heard he's really good in Uncharted. I haven't seen that yet, but it's on my list. Me either. But he'll there's nothing that he'll do bigger than Spider. I mean, Spider Man is just a worldwide phenomenon. That shit is huge. But yeah, her acting is next level in, in Euphoria. Yeah, to me, the 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 level, I guess the range, I should say, that she has. I just never would expect someone who plays Mary Jane or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, Michelle Jones. I would never expect her to be able to play such like a Disney type of side character and then go to a straight up high school drug addict who's dating like right. a, tra- a trans person <laughs> and going through all these other other struggles and it's just it's just wild it is it is such a stark contrast from her being mj and that's great because that's what an actor should be should be doing is showing their range she was really good in dune as well oh, i love her in i love her in that in dune too. she's only in that for a brief amount of time but i do love her in that and i actually can't wait for the second version of that the second part of that movie as well because she's going to play a much bigger role yeah she's, that's from, she's from the disney channel right i think so yeah she that's, is that's crazy she she's come a long way yeah yeah uh it was um shake it up with bell thorne i think have you seen Dune yet, Kenny? No, I haven't seen the movie, no. I wonder if that's oh, out on streaming service yet, because that shit is crack. That movie's really good to me. Uh, I think it's on HBO right now, I think. Okay. Isn't that what Euphoria's on? Yeah, Euphoria's yep. on HBO. Yeah, cause, so for our next podcast, I'm pretty sure we're going to have uh, the guy, I think his name is Keegan. He is one of the people who runs like the Edison format stuff, and he he hosts those tournaments. He's going to be on the next episode of the podcast, so we'll have him on because there's a there's an Edison tournament. Really cool. Yeah, there's an Edison tournament coming up uh, March 26th, I believe is the date. So he's going to be on the next episode, but at some point this month, we should probably do the Dune episode if it's out. Like, if it's if it's streaming, we can sneak that into one of the... Uh, that could be a whole episode because that, that movie is 
really good to me. And it has a lot of like cool lore and like abilities and stuff like that they have that's just mm-hmm. like, really nerdy. The Bene Gesserit, I love that shit. The voice that that is such a cool ass idea. And the way they execute it, I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. Well, yeah, Robin, thank you so much for stopping by the Abner podcast. I hope that you're willing to come back yeah. at some point. Oh yeah, always for sure. I think um, if once once I get Kenny to watch Euphoria, um, I know you're such a big fan, so you can definitely come on for that episode because that. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about it so bad. I know. I want to talk about it a lot. My issue is nobody wants to talk to me about these shows because they don't watch it, and I'm like, how can you not watch? Well, Euphoria. HBO just announced this week that Euphoria is the second biggest HBO show of all time. So it is behind Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes, which I don't think anything is going to beat. Besides another Game of Thrones show, that, so that so for it to have second place, that's pretty fucking big. It's a pretty yeah, we'll crazy show. Do Euphoria and uh, unless I got my wires crossed, you wanted to do a Twilight episode too, right? Yeah, Twilight is gonna be with my friend C, so we're gonna do Twilight at some point as Search well. Twilight. We have a lot, you know, we have a lot down the pipe. My hero, we just talked about yesterday. Like we need to watch the new season. I'm gonna speed through that shit because I already know what happens because I read the manga, but. Uh, I, I do want to see like what they because I know they changed certain stuff in my hero and people weren't too happy about it. And if they took anything out, I'm already annoyed because I think that part of what made my heroes, my villain academia arc so good is everything that I saw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to watch. I haven't once. I You know, I also read the manga. I just have to see. I want to see the season and see what they did. Yeah. But uh, before we go, I do need to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. So we do have a Patreon. I'm their podcast where you can see full-length video versions of the episodes, as well as exclusive episodes that only drop on Patreon. And we have a Discord that you can join by being a patron. So to start off, we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Dominique Roberts, Game Freak Yoshi, Alex Flamer, Gabe Marini, Andre Reynolds, CJ, Dubkdad1, Saw at Dabbers Gaming Cafe, Dan Vrabel, Joseph Marcello, and Scott Page. Thank you guys so much for being patrons and supporting the podcast we really appreciate it. it goes a long way as i always say do the things that make you happy robin is there anywhere that people can reach you on socials if they i don't know wanted to add you as a friend or follow you or whatever yeah they can just add me on facebook or uh my instagram what's your instagram let me get my <laughs> hey, i think it's like rob r9692 but let me double check okay. i've changed it so many times <laughs> while you're double checking that I wanted to ask, did the legacy go all the way back to your dad? Did your dad name you after the Batman Robin? No. <laughs> so that was the question I was wondering if you guys asked me to do this just because my name was Robin and we're talking about Batman. But um, no, no uh, my dad's first name is Frank and he did not want to name me Francine. So he named me after his middle name, Robert. So that's oh, where nice. Robin came in. Uh yeah, so my Instagram is Rob R O B R nine six nine two. There you have it. All right. Well, I guess that wraps this episode up, guys. We will be back soon with another episode focusing on Yu-Gi-Oh's Edison format and the upcoming online tournaments for that. So check that out. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode where we discussed mostly the Batman as well as a few other things and Robin as a guest. Thank you so much for having me i appreciate it yeah i told you it wouldn't be too bad (laughs) no i just get nervous because i know i'm not the biggest person in the community or the most favorite Ah, person so that that type of stuff yeah we don't well that's good we're a mature adult at this point we're approaching our midlife at this so you know 
all of those kitty things that listen i'm know. only known in the community as fraser's friend okay that's my <laughs> that's my claim well, uh, anyway, have a good well night, that's guys. a lot better reason for you to be known than what i'm known for but <laughs> <laughs> all right good night all right have a great one